Well, that was beautiful. That was very meaningful. And I trust that you've already experienced um, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God here in this place, and that you've already been ministered to. We're continuing in our series on the Holy Spirit. And I uh, just want to do a quick little recap. In week one, we looked at how the Holy Spirit is our great companion, our helper, our comforter, our advocate. In week two, we looked at what it meant to be filled by the Holy Spirit, that we are to submit ourselves and that we are to allow the Holy Spirit to be control or to control us and that out of this we would see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and he would, the Holy Spirit would produce this fruit. And today I want to look at um, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to go through a lot of verses, so if you have your Bible app with us, uh, with you, um, they'll be on the screen. We're not going to be able to have time today to, not the Bible app, sorry, our church app. We're trying to make the shift. Sorry, I just confused a bunch of you. So if you go to our church app, go to sermons, and then you'll see the little thing there called notes, um, and you can click on that. Um, and I want you to um, see these, uh, these um, passages and the way that we can see the Holy Spirit working in, in the different people over the years. There are many verses, and there's lots of evidence in the Bible of the Holy Spirit working. There are many verses that address the Spirit of the old, in the Old Testament, but it's in the New Testament that the Spirit takes on a more prominent role. After Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit is now poured out on more people. In the Old Testament, it was a, a much smaller, selected group of people. Often they were like the prophets or the judges or for certain situations, the Holy Spirit, we would read that the Holy Spirit came upon the individual. Now, all believers, after Pentecost, all believers now have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And we've already talked about this. The Holy Spirit is central to the Christ story, is also central to our story to our journey of salvation and living out our salvation. So before we dive into the work of the Holy Spirit in our more personal way, I want to look at some of the titles of the Holy Spirit that we are given in the New Testament. And I think that what you'll notice right away is in these titles alone, you will already begin to see, um, just in the title, some of the work that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. So I'm going to rifle through these. Um, and you, again, if you have the notes, you can see it there. Uh, but I would love for you to read these passages and see these uh, for yourself. So here they, here they are. Um, we see that the Holy Spirit is sometimes given the title of Spirit of Christ in Romans 8, 9, 1 Peter 1 and 11. The Spirit of the Lord, Luke 4, 18, Acts 5, verse 9. His Spirit, Romans 8, 11. Spirit of the living God, 2 Corinthians 3, 3. Spirit of God, of our God, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Spirit of life, Romans 8, chapter 2. 8, chapter 8, verse 2. Spirit of truth, John chapter 14, verse 17. Spirit of wisdom, Ephesians 1, 17. Spirit of holiness, Romans chapter 1, verse 14. And then in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, it is actually implied that the Holy Spirit is God, which we know to be true. So those are just some of the titles that you see in Scripture of the, the, who the Holy Spirit is. And obviously from those titles, then we can deduce that this is going to impact the work that the Holy Spirit does in the church and in each individual. 
Let's look a little bit more carefully then at what are some of the works that are literally told, that we are told, that the Holy Spirit does in a very general way. And again, we are going to end by looking more specifically in each one of our lives. But here we see a list again from Scripture of the work that the Holy Spirit does in a more general way. So again, without diving too deeply into each one of them, I'll just read you the, the, the verse and you'll, you'll just have to read it more for yourself later on. We see that the Holy Spirit is a life giver. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the Holy Spirit is a life giver. We also see that the Holy Spirit casts out demons. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus says, But if by the Spirit of God, that if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then we see that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and gives us life. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. He's the author of revelation and bestower of truth. John chapter 16, verse 13. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will only speak what He hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He gives gifts. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 29. How much more se severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? So the, he, the Spirit gives grace, not gifts, grace, sorry. He's the gift giver. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, and we're going to look at this more in a little bit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, is, it is the same God at work. And then Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 4, we read that the Spirit builds and unifies the church. Now again, these are just a sample, and I want you to try as much as you can to keep this list of titles, to keep this list of more general workings of the Holy Spirit in your mind and try to hold on to them as much as you can because it's going to matter at the end of the sermon. Because at the end of the sermon, we're going to try to process what this means then for each one of us. And we cannot let go of the truths of what we have just read and what we have just seen in Scripture. So we know that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a personal agent. We as believers are connected to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit teaches, the Spirit guides, calls, sends, comforts, convicts, commissions. These are all evident in Scripture. At the same time, as we looked at last week, we know that the Spirit can be resisted, can be grieved, can be quenched, and can be lied to. 
So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is not simply um, a thing or some force. The Spirit is personal. He, he lives in us. So that is, you know, something that we need to be careful that we recognize because we can impact the role that we allow the Holy Spirit to play in our lives. So I want us to focus for a minute because I don't want this just to become an academic look at the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to now look at our own personal lives. What work is the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? What work is the Holy Spirit doing in your lives in a very personal way today? How would you describe that? If I was to pause now for a moment, give every individual a microphone and say, I want you now to go around and I want you to share what is the work of the Holy Spirit that you have experienced in your personal life? And we should have an answer. Because the Holy Spirit is not just a spirit that hovers above. Often in seminary we talk about having a 30,000 foot view of our situation. So the Holy Spirit is not just this 30,000 foot looking down at us. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, is present in us. So what is the work of the Holy Spirit? What, what are we seeing? I want us to look specifically through these next few verses at our, from our own perspective. What is the Spirit of God doing in us? And then I want us to consider how we are experiencing the truth of what Scripture says the Holy Spirit does, how we are allowing that to be evident in our own lives. So the first thing that we see that is from a, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life is that the Holy Spirit empowers. This is something I want you now to hear. This is for every single one of you. Some of these other ones maybe are more general, but these now, this list, is true for every single one of you. The Holy Spirit empowers you. John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus tells his disciples that they are going to do even more, even greater things. And this can cause some frustration or maybe confusion in us. For them, this must have been difficult for them to consider because of what Jesus had all done and because of the way that he did it. So it wasn't just how much he did, it was the power with which he did it. They had witnessed this himself. The greater things here must be understood only in light of the post-resurrection period during which the gospel would be proclaimed. Meaning that you and I will not do greater in the sense of providing salvation for people. That can only be done by Jesus. Greater things can only be done because of what Jesus did and because he was going to the Father. And yet, here is this statement by Jesus that they would do greater things. And I believe he would say the same to us, that we would do greater things. So how are we responding to that? How do you, on a personal level today, are you just dismissing that? When you read a verse like that, do you, do you see yourself as someone who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, who has been empowered to do great things? Or are you just dismissing that and saying it must be for someone else? It must be for someone who's been called to, to pastoral ministry or to church ministry. You know, you're working in an office, and so this isn't your thing. 
This is for every one of us to hear that we have all been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do greater things. Consider Peter, the apostle. He's a simple fisherman. He could have been, you know, just like any one of us sitting here today going, well, I, I work in a greenhouse. I'm just, a, I'm just an office worker. I am in sales. I run a small business. I whatever. I'm a stay-at-home parent. How does this affect me? And yet, Peter, someone who had all this ambition and often put his foot in his mouth, after he received the Holy Spirit, did incredible things. And he's the example that we often use. So do you count yourself as one of those who the Holy Spirit could do greater things through? The disciples waited for the Spirit to fill them as they had been commanded by Jesus. And then they received the power that Jesus had promised. And this empowered them in a way that they could minister to people that was so beyond their own potential and possibilities. So let me ask you again. Have you dismissed this for yourself? Do you count yourself as one of those that the Holy Spirit could use to do greater things? The second thing that we see, which is true for every single one of us, is that the Holy Spirit guides. Jesus was a teacher. He was a leader, and his role with the disciples was more of an external role. He walked with them, he spoke with them, and he taught them many things that are recorded in Scripture. And when the Spirit came, he is able to affect us in a much more intense way. The work of the Holy Spirit continues what Jesus started, but no longer as an external guide. He now dwells within us, and we've talked about this already a lot. We have already looked at how the Spirit works in each one of us. Now look at John chapter 16, verse 13, and listen to how John, or how Jesus describes the way the Spirit will guide. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because he is from me, and he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and this is why I said that the Spirit will, um, Spirit will receive from me what he makes known to you. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will make the message of Jesus known to us. And I want to challenge us again here on a personal level to consider what we're doing with this. Is this just information that we know that, yeah, the Holy Spirit guides? Or is this something that gives us confidence in how we live our lives? Knowing that the Holy Spirit will guide us in the situations that we find ourselves in. Similar to this, we are told that the Holy Spirit teaches. Early on, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would bring to mind and He would clarify His teachings. He spoke this to the disciples and He spoke this to us. This was during a conversation that Jesus had with His disciples when they were asking a lot of questions and they were complexed and they were worried about what was coming next. Their world was all of a sudden no longer as stable. Jesus had talked about leaving and everything was sort of uprooted. And then Jesus said this to them in John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This 
ministry of the Holy Spirit is not only for those first century Christians. It is for us today. So stop telling yourself that you can't get anything out of Scripture. You have a teacher dwelling inside of you. So stop trying to find answers on your own. Begin to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to speak to you. So I want to give you just some simple steps to try. Stop, pray, listen, be patient. Stop, pray, listen, be patient. And when you are done that, stop, pray, listen, and be patient. Have an attitude of inviting your teacher, the Holy Spirit, to minister to you. Be aware that the Holy Spirit does not only teach the mind, He also teaches the heart. Just because you didn't learn something up here doesn't mean that there wasn't learning here. So again, stop, pray, listen, and be patient. And give the Spirit the freedom to teach you the things that you need. Then we read that the Holy Spirit intercedes. And again, this is true for all of us. Romans chapter 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we do not know what we ought to pray, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with, through wordless groans. And He who serves our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God God's people in accordance with the will of God. Believers have the assurance that when we do not know how to pray, when we do not know how to engage with our Heavenly Father, the Spirit will wisely intercede for us. I love how Paul says, the Spirit Himself intercedes. He doesn't send an angel. The Spirit, God, gets involved in your life on a very personal way. And he says that the Spirit intercedes, and he does so in accordance with the will of God. Look at the next verse. Because the next verse is a verse that many of you have read, and you probably knew this, you know, this verse, and you definitely know the next verse, but you've maybe never connected the two together. Look at the next verse, chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him who have been called according to His purpose. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. God, the Holy Spirit, interceding for you for your good. Interceding for you for your good. The Holy Spirit is not standing before God the Father, who is the Holy Spirit, this is so confusing, and telling about all the bad things you've done. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you, saying, they love you. They're burdened. They don't know what to do. All the things that you may not know how to say, but you're groaning, and the Spirit interprets and intercedes for your behalf, for your good. Holy Spirit sanctifies. Romans 8, verse 9. In my Bible, I've circled you. You, Ike. You, whoever you are. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. This is true for every single one of you. It is not 
your power that makes you holy before God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying you. If you want a little project, read Romans chapter 8, 1 to 17, and just look at the, the contrast between the work of the flesh and the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit continues the transformation of our moral lives. He is our moral and our spiritual uh, teacher. He, he develops our spiritual character. We are not abandoned after we give our lives to Jesus to figure it out on our own. Sanctification is the process of making people holy and good. Life in the Spirit is what God intended for Christians, where we are to live by the Spirit, to be filled and controlled by the Spirit. And then finally, the Spirit bestows spiritual gifts to each one of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read some of this already. Verse 4, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them in, and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now look at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given by... For, sorry, for each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now I want you just to... If you have your Bible open, I want you just to look at verse 7. I want you to ask yourself, which line, what words would you underline in that verse? Which ones would maybe be sort of the words that you would see as the key ones? Well, let me just help you along with the ones that I think you should carefully consider. I would encourage you to underline to each one. To each one. You're not missed. You're not overlooked. Every one of us can experience the manifestation of the Spirit. So I say this to all the single moms here today. The Spirit of God is manifested in you as you raise your children in your circumstance. I say this to the widows and the widowers. The Spirit of God is manifested in you as you live in grief sometimes and as you live in loneliness to those of you running small businesses and you're trying to stay afloat, the Spirit of God is manifested in you. And we could go over all the different roles and people in this church, and we need to recognize that in every single one of us, it says now to each one is the manifestation. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit. Now what's the next line that you might, or next few words that you might underline? So if the first ones are to each one, then maybe you want to also underline for the common good. For the common good. You need to recognize today that you will receive the manifestation of the Holy Spirit not to make a name for yourself. You will receive the manifestation of the Spirit in order that you can proclaim Christ. In order that you can live out the identity that you have in Jesus. You have been given the Spirit of God not so that you can have gifts and abilities and, and whatever it might be to, make, uh, you know, to somehow make a name for yourself or to feel that you have to be re overly responsible for whatever it might be. You have been given the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the Spirit of God for the common good. You are not expected to do more than you have been gifted to do. Verse 8 goes, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of the knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the healing by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. 
to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. This is not an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts in Scripture, but I want you to stop for a moment and recognize that you have been given a spiritual gift. You've been given a spiritual gift. And it's important for us to know it, but it's more important for us to surrender ourselves and to allow the gift of the Holy Spirit to work in us and to do in us and through us that which we can never do on our own. Next week, Pastor Peter is going to speak about the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is honestly going to be kind of the climax of this series because we've looked at these different things. And so next week, I want to really encourage you to come and to hear. So to conclude today, I want us to consider what we have learned so far in this sermon today. We've looked at the titles. We've looked at the work of the Holy Spirit in a more general way. We've looked at the work of the Spirit now in each one of us. These, these are true for every single one of us. But even if we would go back now and look at the series, so let's consider for a moment, what have we learned so far? Well, we already said it in the opening, that we've learned that we have the Spirit of God as our companion. Every single believer in this room has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. So we know this now. Up here, we know it. We also looked at the second week of the importance of surrendering ourselves and being filled with the Holy Spirit and giving the Spirit of God control in our lives. And again, this is an easy thing for us to know, but I trust that every one of you has been working hard at allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you, to control you, to guide you. And then today we looked at the different ways that the Holy Spirit works in us. And like I said, next week Pastor Peter is going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need to embrace this unimaginable power that is dwelling within you. Every single one of you has this. So let me ask you a very important question. Now what? Now what, church? What are you going to do with this? Is this just more information that you know? That you can tell to other people in case they're down? Or is this something that you're going to be able to, or something that you're going to strive to be intentional about applying to your life? You're going to go home in a little bit, and you're going to start your week, and challenges are going to come. Are you going to take the same approach to your challenges this week as you did last week? Are you going to just do the same thing over and over again? You've got a big business decision to make. You've got a financial decision to make. You have a relationship decision to make. And all these different things that we could list that you have coming this week. By whose wisdom will you process that? You have struggles with your own identity. You have struggles with loving yourself and viewing yourself. Who's going to be the one who's going to examine you? You or your guide? Who's going to speak into your life when you're just discouraged and you're just, you don't see an end of how things will work out. You don't see the process. Who's going to be the one who's going to connect the dots for you? You in your head or are you going to stop, pray, listen, and be patient and allow the Spirit of God this question of now what? Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to just keep doing the same thing over and over? This week we looked at 
you know, ourselves and we need to recognize that we need to be seeing ourselves as someone who is counted. So let's practice this surrender this week. Let's practice allowing the Spirit of God to work in us. Let's recognize that we are part of the church that Jesus said he would build. And as part of the church, we are called, we are equipped, and we are gifted. It wasn't just something that happened in the book of Acts. It happens today. You are in this place as someone who has received the Holy Spirit, who is gifted, who has the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let me encourage you then. Let me instruct you, actually. Be bold. Open Scripture. Spend time in it, not depending just on yourself to answer the questions or to find. Allow the Spirit of God to reveal His truth to you. Pray with expectation. Stop asking for the little things. Stop with this thinking that somehow God is limited to what you think is possible. Start praying big. Big expectations. Step out. Step out. Meet that neighbor. Share your faith. Return a call that you've avoided. Ask for forgiveness. Give forgiveness. Confront the person who is not you know, responding to you or someone who has hurted you, hurt you, you know, confront them if you need to. Put an end to it if you have to. You're not alone. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the work that God wants to do in your life is not to keep you just depressed and unhappy. Step out and apply the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not for yourself and for your own benefit, but for the common good. Is it risky? Well, just ask the early disciples if it was risky. The answer is, of course. Will everything always work out exactly as we wish? Well, again, just ask the early disciples to see whether or not life was always easy here on this earth. But church, I want us to leave today. I want us to leave today, not just with the knowledge in our head, and I've been saying this a lot, that, oh, I have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. I want us to leave here today asking the simple questions, so now what? What does this change in how I live my life, knowing that I have the work of the Holy Spirit in me and that he produces work for the common good, that he produces work in me that is for my good? Let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus, I've been doing this a long time. I've learned to read the room. And I can see right now in the eyes of some people, they want this so bad. They don't necessarily see how this fits in their situation. So I pray, God, as a God who is patient, as a God who walks with us and who leads us, would you walk us to even embrace this truth? I pray for those here that are maybe super easy, to, eager to get going. I pray that you would cause them to be patient and to truly allow you to process and that it is you speaking, not them. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you into our midst. We invite you into our messes. We invite you into our conflicts. We invite you into our decisions. And we just pray, work. Just be you. Do in us 
what you can do and what only you can do. We invite ourselves, we open ourselves up to experience this and to receive this from you today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.